Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. It's good to be here with you guys. It's good to see familiar faces. If this is your first time, we are very thankful that you're here. Uh, we would love for you to stop by in the lobby. There's a welcome table. We'd love to be able to say hi and get to know you. You'll hear more about that later in our service. Um, you know what? Before I jump in, would you guys pray with me? Let's do that. Father, we thank you for another morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together. We thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to be able to pray to you whenever we want. It is incredible when we stop and, and consider that. And so Jesus, speak to us. Help us to exhale. Help us to be a people who do not take ourselves too seriously, but who take you and your word very seriously. Just remind us of the joy that you offer, that we can cast our burdens on you because you care for us. Jesus, help us to have fun. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So if you've been with us, you know that we've been walking through this series called The Prayers of God's People, where we have been looking at different passages of Scripture and hearing how God's people have prayed to him and, and almost, if, if you will, holding up prayer like a diamond and examining different facets of this diamond, different truths about what prayer is, about who we are as God's people, about who God is through the lens of the prayers of God's people. So we're gonna continue in that today. We're gonna be looking at Psalm chapter 95 and we're gonna be thinking about um, how we pray. And, and here is uh, something that has occurred to me that some different friends throughout my life have revealed to me, uh, there's a reality that I find true for myself, and I wonder if you would find this true as well. We tend to pray way more like a computer than like an actual human being. We pray more like a computer than like a human being. Here's what I mean by this. So often we find ourselves praying like an inanimate object, still quiet. We upload and download information from the cloud. It's okay. You can laugh. It's all right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I prayed that we would have fun. Come on, Grace. But what we see in scripture, especially in this Psalm, is somebody praying actually like a human being. The fullness of who God created us to be, how God created us to be, where God created us to be. So this is what we're going to consider this morning. What would it look like to pray more like a human than like a computer? Here's my prayer. My prayer is that this causes a deep exhale because this is what it's done for me. I, no one told me this, but when I came to faith, somehow what I learned is really, really, really good prayer. It took a really long time. You had to pray a long time in a lot of words. And if you like had a minor in creative writing or like poetry, like those were the like really good prayers, if you could use those words, right? And, and as like a high school kid coming to faith, like I never did this in any area of my life. I never sat still for a long time. So that was a challenge. I never went on these like weird long inner monologues. <laughs> and so that was a challenge. And I began to feel this burden of like, oh my gosh, am I even praying right? Like, I must have a horrible prayer life. Something must be wrong with me, or at least wrong with my faith. But then I began to realize, like, that is one really good way to pray. 
Jesus did say, go to your prayer closet, right? Don't pray in front of lots of people. He was referring to the Pharisees who would do these big, like, showy prayers. He said, you don't have to pray like that. You don't have to be, pray based off all of these words. It can be simple. And, and the more I got around different brothers and sisters in Christ, the more I began to see, like, ah, there are other ways to pray. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's jump into our passage, Psalm 95. Uh, if you are using the Pew Bible that's underneath your seat, we're going to be on page 499. Psalm 95, we'll look at first verses 1 through 3. It says this, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. So let's think about this. We see these words like sing, joyful noise, this song of praise. It begins to evoke these images of creativity. As Christians, we understand, according to the biblical story, that we are created in the image of God. Or another way to say that is, we are created in the image of the creator. There is a creativity to our faith. We see from the very early pages of scripture, God speaking all that is into existence. And then he makes us like him. He invites us to participate in creation. Right? Think about this. God made... Um, chickens and pigs and cows, but he let us figure out how to make omelets. <laughs> God exercises restraint in creation and invites us to use our creativity to continue what he started. God invented trees, we figured out how to make houses. God gave us these rich materials of creation and said, go have fun, create. And that's what we do. We are a creative people. Yes, that includes the creative things that you think about, the singers and, you know, the artists and those types of things, but so much of life is creation. We create cultures within our family. We create through our vocations, through our jobs. We image what God is like as creator. And then as Christians, we get to these moments where we get to spend time with the creator of the universe, the most creative being ever, the, the creator who invented creativity, and we call it a quiet time. We go away by ourselves. We engage in sensory deprivation. And we have a quiet time to connect with God. Now, is that wrong? No, please don't hear me saying that is wrong. What I'm saying is that's not all there is. Imagine what it would have been like to spend a day with Robin Williams. Would that have sounded like a quiet time? What would it be like to spend a day with Jimi Hendrix? What would it have been like? Think of your favorite creator, your favorite artist. What would it be like to spend time with them? How would they view God's creation? What insights would they be able to pull out? The invitation becomes how can we utilize our creativity as we connect with who God is, as we pray? What joyful noises can we make? What songs can we write? What poems can we construct? How can we engage our creative process in front of the face of God to glorify him and to love and serve others? Now, if you're like me, if I was sitting there, I would think, yeah, that sounds really great. What does that look like in real life? 
some things come to mind. My dad is like the construction guy. He builds things. That's what he does. He will sit down and read books, but they're like books about how to build things. <laughs> He's not going to sit down and read a book about poetry. That's more my style. Let me tell you what my dad does as he works on projects. Jesus, help me. This bolt's stuck. Jesus, help me. Can't figure out how to get these whatever two things together. Jesus, help me. That's prayer also. The short, quick, precise prayers that involve the everyday stuff of life, that's a way to worship God. When we talk about our value of Christ in all of life, all of life also means that bolt that is stuck. That's part of all of life. All of life means the nail that you can't remove, means that thing that you have to get done at your job, means whatever it means for you that you can invite Christ into. Creativity is not just being Robin Williams. Creativity is being who God created you to be more authentically, more wholly submitted to the lordship of who Jesus is in all of life. Yes, in the quiet times, but where else is he inviting you to invite him in? Where else can you see the spirit at work? This verse, this passage helps us uh, with, with two kind of tangible ways that we can flesh this out. Let's keep reading. Verse 95, let's pick up in chapter 95. Sorry, excuse me. Let's pick up in verse 4. In his hand, in God's hand, are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. The psalmist is pointing us to creation, to the physical spaces in which we find ourselves. He's saying, think of how God created the mountains. Think of how God created the sea. One of the things that we've loved about living here in Long Beach is going to the beach, spending time seeing the ocean. It stretches as far as I can see, and it reminds me how small I am. And I need that reminder from time to time. Creation informs our prayers. Have you ever gone out into the wilderness and looked at the sky? Have you ever gone to the Psalms retreat in the beautiful setting and looked out over the horizon at this incredible view and just thought, oh my goodness, God did this for us? That evokes a different kind of prayer. Where we pray matters. I pray for my boys, I pray for their schools, uh, but one thing I started doing, because their school's right, right two blocks away from us in our neighborhood, as I drive by their school, I pray for their school. So it's different when I'm praying in my living room as opposed to like when I stop on the corner real quick and I get to look out and see the buildings. God gave me this beautiful moment on Friday. I had, I had had breakfast with another pastor in the city and I was driving home, Friday's my day off, and I stop by and I, I just pray and I see the kids are out there. And then I notice, I look, and I can see my youngest son, Micah. He's on the playground, and he's playing basketball. And now, Micah has talked a lot about basketball. Um, Will, our oldest, has more of my height. Micah doesn't have as much of the height. And so he talks about basketball, but then, like, the functionality of him playing basketball, he's, you know, he's learning. There's opportunity for growth is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but God bless me with this moment where I'm praying over his school and, and I get to see him and, and he's got the ball and he shoots and he made a basket. And I was like, oh, miracles do happen. This is awesome. <laughs> 
Where we pray informs what we're praying. What's it like to pray for your city as you walk the streets of the city? I wonder how we would pray differently in Bixby than we would in Wrigley. I wonder if you've had that moment where you go up on top of Signal Hill. Beth Balmer does this frequently. And you get to see the city, almost all of it, and pray for the city from there. What does that feel like? How does that inform our prayers? I, I had a conversation with Natter yesterday, and we were talking about prayer, we were talking about this, and, and he told me one of his practices, when he's feeling stuck in prayer, he prays through his house. I was like, oh, interesting, what do you mean by that? He said, I'll, I'll, I'll start in one room, and I'll look around, and I'll see what reminds me of God. So I'm in my living room, there's my couch, God, thank you that you are a place of rest. He says, I see my mantle. We put special things that remind us of, of important moments on our mantle. God, thank you that you are a God who reminds us of your faithfulness, that you show up time and time again. Go to the kitchen. God, you are a provider. Isn't that incredible? In your house. What's it like to pray for our brothers and sisters experiencing homelessness as we walk down a busy street? As we realize how loud it is to be on the street. We realize how many people pass by, don't even know we're there. How does that inform our prayers? Our location can help us engage our creativity in prayer. Where we are praying in creation. There are times to get away and be alone and be in solitude. There are times to pray in public, around people. And Grace, I have to tell you, this wasn't in the notes. God is doing something here. God is doing something at Grace. I know this is true because of how many people have told me, I've been praying for our church and God said. I've been praying for our church and God has put this passion on my heart. That tells me God is at work because his people are praying. If you're interested, there are people praying, walking around our campus at nine o'clock in the morning on Sundays before we meet. There are people praying for you, there are people praying for you who are online, there are people praying for people who don't feel safe to meet and people who are here. People are praying for our church and the spirit is starting to move. That's exciting. What's it like to pray for our church at our church? What's it like to pray for our church that we would love the community as we're walking around our church in the community? So maybe that's something God could be inviting you into, nine o'clock on Sunday mornings. Let's keep going. Our context matters. Where we are can inform our prayers. Picking up in verse six, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. Let us use the bodies that God has given us in prayer. Not just our physical bodies, but our senses. Our God is a God of senses. He gave us sight and hearing and smell and taste and touch, and we see those used throughout all of Scripture, but so often we retreat to our sensory deprivation to encounter God. Think about, if you're familiar with the biblical story, you've, you've, you've read these images of the temple. 
the temple in the Old Testament where God's people would come to worship him, to participate in worship in community. This is where the animal sacrifices were held. What would it have sounded like? I wonder how the sounds of animals being slaughtered would inform God's people's view of sin. I wonder how seriously we would take sin if we heard the cries of the animals who were bearing our burdens. What would it smell like as these burnt offerings of praise were offered up to the Lord? The greatest barbecue ever. I mean, think about it. That's what we're talking about. Cows being slaughtered and roasted over an open flame. That's called a barbecue. You know what barbecue smells like. It smells delicious. Barbecue is like one of my love languages. This is an incredible gift from the Lord. Imagine thinking of our praise like that smell. Delicious. Desirable. It's not just in the Old Testament. Think about the things that, that Jesus did. They're walking along. I don't think there's anything magical about a mustard seed. I think it was convenient. They're walking along. Jesus is like, you know what the kingdom of heaven is like? I don't know. How about like a mustard seed? You know what the kingdom of heaven, it's like that tree. The kingdom of heaven, it's like a field as they're like walking through a field. He's seeing what's around him. He's using his whole body that God has given him, understanding that Yahweh is Lord and that he is God over all of life and seeing God move in all of life and just directing his disciples' attention to it. I, I have a friend from Arizona who, um, one of his practices, when he confesses sin, he goes through his backyard into the alley and he opens up the dumpster and he puts his head in and he inhales so he can smell the garbage. And that helps him remember what sin really is. Now, I think that's great. I've never smelled the garbage when I confess sin. Maybe that works for you. But the point is, find what works for you. What is God inviting you to do? What are the sounds that would help you understand more of who God is? What are the tastes that would help you worship and praise him more? How can we experience God in the ordinary stuff of life? It's not the prayer becomes mundane. It's that the mundane becomes spiritual. It helps us realize that there is no sacred secular divide, that if we see Christ in all of life, that actually means all of life. And so we get to experience more of him. We get to experience God through the delicious taste of sushi. This is one that resonates with my family. It helps us remember our favorite sushi place in Tempe. It helps us remember God's faithfulness as he's called us, as he's provided for us. It's not just a meal. Yes, it's a meal, but it can be so much more than that. Think of the practices of the church, the historic church. There's a reason incense was used. Memories are associated with smell. Baptism, <laughs> we get to feel the water around our bodies. We get to come out of the water. I'm not talking about the theology of it. I'm talking about the human experience of this. We get to come out of the water and see the community of God's people that we have just covenanted with and covenanted to. Here we get to hear their applause. Our bodies aren't an accident. We are not a computer. 
uploading and downloading information from the clouds. God made all of us, all of our senses, all of our emotion, and he invites us to worship and praise him with all of these things. My prayer is that this helps stretch our imaginations. How else can we experience God? Where else can we see God at work? And then we can begin to name it. And that not only helps us, but it helps those who don't yet know Jesus. Because now we get accurate language, contextual, contemporary language to help others understand how God is at work today here in Long Beach, as much as he was at work in the pages of Scripture. And you guys have been here for a while. You know we're going to move into communion. This, these symbols, these elements, bread and wine, are, are full of the truth of who, who God is, of the sacrifice of Jesus, the power of memory, but also consider Jesus chose things that we get to touch. We get to feel the texture of the bread in our mouths. We get to consider him as our teeth grind the bread down and what he went through. We get the taste of the bread, a reminder that as much as we need food to survive, God is the one who sustains us and who provides for us. As we lift the cup, we get to smell the wine. We get to recall his blood, not just through the color, but through the smells and the tastes and the remembrance of this act that we do over and over because it shapes us as his people. Because this is a pivotal moment in our story. That God did send his son for us because of our sin. That he is Lord who laid his life down so that though sin has distorted every aspect of life, we would be reminded of who he is in every aspect of life as he is reconciling every aspect of life. This is what we get invited into. This is what we get to participate in. And this is where our service is headed. And so ushers will come forward. They will invite us row by row to come up and, and partake in communion. This is a family meal. Um, you don't have to be a member if, if you uh, follow Jesus, you are invited to this table. And because this is a family meal, we eat together. Uh, we wait until everyone has the elements. Uh, for kiddos, uh, if there are kids here, the juice will be on the outside and the purple cups and the wine will be in the in uh, I think that's right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the juice is in the purple cups, the wine is in the clear cups. Um, and so let me pray, and then uh, we'll have the greeters and the servers come forward uh, as we continue in worship, worshiping God with all of our creativity and all of the places he sends us with all of our bodies, with all of our senses and with all of our emotions. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just, we thank you. I thank you that you invite us to so much more than we can imagine. I thank you that you're on the move. I thank you that you are here, that you are active, that you see us, that you hear us, that you care for us. I thank you for this creation that you bless us with, that you invite us uh, into being co-creators with you. You invite us to worship you in all of life. You invite us to see your spirit at work. We, we say and we know that you are everywhere, that you are omnipresent. Jesus, show us glimpses of that. Remind us in the ordinary and mundane that you are there too. Help us to experience you more in these things. Not just so that we have a great emotional experience so that we truly know who you are more, 
so that we can be more faithful and obedient to you because that is how we display who you are and what you are like to those who don't yet know you. Jesus, would you move through us to invite others into your kingdom? We ask this humbly in your name. Amen.